Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Well, tonight, our message is on restoration. Jake actually told me that's been his word of the years, restoration. That's pretty cool. That's a good word for you to have this year. But we're in the midst of a letter to a church, um, and it's the Galatian church. And as we step into this letter tonight, and we get kind of towards the ending parts of this letter, it addresses some things that I think are really important for us today. There's warnings in this letter, there's instruction, but there's a great blessing as well. And today as we just really step into this time, here's the thing that I think is absolutely imperative that we understand, and it's the kindness, the love, the heart of Jesus. I need to start by saying this today, that Jesus absolutely wants to restore your life. The stuff that LaShawn experienced as a 12-year-old boy, he absolutely wants to restore and make new in his life. The stuff that the enemy took away, he buys back and he brings new life into it and makes it better than it ever was before. He takes everything that you've experienced in your life both good and bad, brings it together and uses it in such a way that it blesses others when you surrender your life to him. LaShawn started by saying, man, I'm, just, I'm, I'm here in the spirit today. And that's really the sidebar of what tonight is all about is what it means to live by the spirit. I think some of us, depending on how the gospel came to us, was explain the true gospel. And I just want to just lay out the gospel for you first tonight because that's absolutely important as we apply the rest of tonight's message. But here's the good news. The good news is that God absolutely loves you. He gave us a life for you. And if you believe in him, confessing him as Lord, the word says is that you will be saved. The question is, what are we saved from and what are we saved to? That's where we start to get into the you know, nitty-gritty of just the application of the saved life. But here's what happens in our life, y'all. God created mankind to have a relationship with him. He put us in a garden. The garden was this place that was set up for this perfect relationship. And God and man were walking together in the garden at first. But then something called sin entered into the world. Now, here's the deal with sin. Sin is something that happens from our flesh, our inner being, that says everything is about me and my desires and what I want. And so what happened is when God set a very simple boundary, man crossed that boundary and said, God, I don't want to do it your way. It's about me. I want more. So the lust of man led him to sin. When sin entered the world, the only way that we could account for sin is death. And so we have this picture of the scale we've been weaving in each week, but what happens is we start this thing off, off balance. And through the course of our life, we continue to do things. We try to balance it out. We try to figure it out. And we're like, all right, man, so I've done this wrong. I'm going to see if I can do this right. 
And we're always living in tension trying to bring balance because the law that God gave us as far as our covenant, the the relationship, it's kind of like a marriage relationship that God gave to us was that we first of all love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That was the great command. And out of that were these other 10 commandments, right? There were these other commands that dealt with our relationship with God and with human. But what ended up happening as we just started like in relationship with one another and with God is that we didn't fulfill the law. We were off balance. So what happens is, is that God says, okay, I'm gonna set up a system of sacrifice for you guys. I'm going to actually make a way for you to offset and balance the scales. So when there's sin, you're going to go take a lamb, perfect lamb, and you're going to lay it on the altar. You're going to take its life. Its blood's going to spill out over the altar as a sacrifice for your sin. And week in and week out, this was the pattern of their life. The problem was is that it didn't change in their heart, though. So they thought, okay, if all I got to do is kill a lamb, I go do whatever I want to do. So I'll go have the sexual sin. I'll be angry. I'll sin against my brother. I'll do whatever. And I'll slit the throat of the lamb every week and we'll have lamb chops. It's all good, right? That was their mindset. And God finally said, no, we got we to gotta deal with this once and for all. I'm going to settle the score for you. I'm going to give my son as the perfect lamb, and he is going to fulfill the law for you. So Jesus comes, lives this perfect life. We celebrated that perfect life last week with Easter. He lives this perfect life, and what the word says is that he gave to us his right standing. That right standing then brought us into balance. He took our sin paid the penalty for our sin. And the word says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Along with salvation comes justification, meaning the scales are balanced when God looks at you. He sees the righteousness of Christ, not the off-balance life of your sin. And so what had happened by the time the gospel had worked its way through the church of Galatia It's the simple gospel that Jesus loves you and died for you and that all you got to do for salvation is just confess him as Lord and believe had become distorted and they added other rules and regulations back on top of it. Now, the rule that they added on top of it that the word says was circumcision. So they were sitting here saying, in order for you to become a Christian, not only do you need to believe in Jesus, but you got to do some physical act as well. The warning for us is that in the church today, we can often get away from this. We can get away from the fact that Jesus has settled the score and we can start adding our works back into it. But when you start adding works back into what Christ has done for you, the scales get off balance again. And you're sitting here in this place where you don't have peace in your life. When you step back into the law that you've been freed from, you get back under, when you step back into it, you're back into slavery again. You're back into the grind of trying to hold the scale yourself. But the simple gospel is that Jesus has balanced the scale for you. Jesus gave his life for you. That's the beauty of the gospel. He loves you. And now from this point, the heartbeat of Jesus is to restore what we broke. We look around the world today, you sit here and say, man, I don't know, like, 
I don't know if we're really that bad. Man, look, there's war, there's sickness, there's people losing their mind. There's problems all in our family. Even with, you just listen to LaShawn's story and you see the brokenness of sin in the world. But at the same time, you look at LaShawn's story and you see how the heart of Jesus wants to restore and buy back and redeem what was lost. And I just look at this, man, and I look at the church, this Galatian church, and where they had gotten, and, and we can look at it and say, man, I mean, I, I'm glad we're not like them. But the reality is, we can very well be them. We can very well be at this place where we're like, hey, you know what? Yeah, yeah, co- confess Jesus and then do this, 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 read these 25 books and then, then you'll be a mature Christian. And what he says is no. He says, listen, you've been free and now let's begin to live and operate out of freedom. So Tonight, as we begin our time together in the Word, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. So if you want to go ahead and get there, if you got like the Bible app, you're going to do that thing. Cool. Do it. I got the words up here. Um, and uh, me and Danielle were actually talking about that today. Danielle uh, needs a, a new Bible, and uh, she's just worn the pages out of her existing Bible. And I'm like, man, I'm just all digital, you know? I just get new screens. But... Uh, we, we have our preferences, you know? Um, right on. So Galatians 5, 16 through 18. So context. The heartbeat of Paul. Paul is a spokesman of, of the Lord to these churches. He cares for these churches deeply because he's helped start them. He's been very invested in from the beginning. He knows the gospel that was preached to them. And so he says, man, who's bewitched you? How did this thing get from here to here? It's not the gospel anymore because you added something else to it and you messed it up. So he leads them gently back into freedom. And then here's what he says. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, we're going to start with this. So the heart of Jesus is restoration. What he is restoring us to is a whole life, but ultimately it is a life that is free of sin. When the word says that you are free, and when we talk about salvation, some of us just think about a future thing that's going to happen when we die that we're saved from the fire of hell to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. And that is a part of salvation. But there is a present aspect of salvation for us to live in right now, and that is freedom right now. And what the word says, it's not freedom like a license to go and sin and do whatever you want to do, but it's freedom to actually resist sin and not sin anymore. See, God's intent for the person that has received his salvation is that their life of sin is no more. That is in their past, and they are now filled with the Spirit. The contrast of being Spirit-filled is to be empowered by the flesh. Those are the two places that you you can draw your energy, your life from. It's either the Spirit of God, not to be confused with the spiritual realm, there's a lot of spiritism and, and, and mysticism in our new age movements today. A lot of people are talking about the spirit realm 
That is not to be confused with the Holy Spirit. That is the very Spirit of God, Jesus, living in those that confess Christ as Lord. I want to make sure that we understand that because there are some things happening today in religious movements that are of the spirit realm but are not the Holy Spirit. The way you test that is with the Word of God. If, if what somebody speaks in a spirit aligns with Scripture, then it is the Holy Spirit. If it does not align with Scripture, it is not. Okay, We've got to be very clear on that. So when we look at this, though, what we see is, is that there's two ways that we can live. We come into this world living in the flesh off balance. Jesus comes. He offers his life for ours. When we receive that gift, what Jesus says in John 14 is that he gives us his spirit. His spirit is made available to those that confess Christ. What the word also says about the Holy Spirit in John 14 is that this spirit is a spirit of truth and he is an encourager. Okay? If the voice in your head is not encouraging you to truth, it is not the Holy Spirit. People misuse the name of God all the time and the enemy loves to do that. Remember, he's going to come back as an antichrist. He's going to speak to you like an anti-spirit, and he's going to speak lies into your life that are, that are against what the word says. Okay? And tonight, I'm, I'm going to really make Satan mad because I'm going to expose his lies. I'm going to tell you the truth, but we're going to honor Jesus tonight in this. But what I want you to understand is that the word of God and the truth that is in the word of God resonates with the Holy Spirit because it is his word. And so the very spirit of Jesus is given to us in spirit form so that we can do and live and act in love like Jesus did. Some of us have been discipled in our Christian walk to be a good Christian according to moral code, but have not been taught how to live by the spirit and according to the word. But what Paul says here is that it's not about your works that make you a good Christian, but it's about the Spirit filling you that actually produces the good work, okay? So as we watch Jesus interact with people and we think about what the Word says about the Spirit, here's a couple other things about the Spirit, just so you know this. Those of you that have confessed Christ, we got some people fresh that have just received Jesus. Praise God. When you receive Jesus, what the word says is that the Holy Spirit is a seal. He locks in your salvation. He guarantees that it's good. What the word says about the Holy Spirit is that he's actually praying for you. He's an advocate with the Father for you. He's speaking truth to you and over you. Okay? He is your helper. What the word says is that when the spirit comes upon you, you're going to be a witness. He's the fuel behind your evangelism efforts. He's the motivation, the fire, the boldness. He is the power, the unction, whatever word you want to use. The word compares him to wind and to fire. What happens when wind and fire come together? You've got an explosion. The Holy Spirit is dynamite power inside of us. And it is only made available to those who 
confess Christ. But when Christ is your Lord, this is the access you have. Sometimes we just got to know what's made available to us. Sitting out here camping this past weekend. It's a great time. I love to camp. You ever been out there like freezing cold and which wasn't cold this weekend, but you ever been cold and you're like sitting there and you're thinking, man, I just need fire. And you're sitting there and you're around and, and you're like, you're, you're, it's wet and it's cold and you're just like, and somebody all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, I got waterproof matches, you know? And it's like, you know, but, but that's only like two hours later when you're sitting there shivering. I kind of hope that that's what happens here to, tonight is that you realize, oh, shoot, I didn't realize I had access to that. You know? Like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize that. Like, here's the truth. I hope that happens to us tonight. So the spirit then is what we're told to walk by. That means to live by, to keep in step with. Walking's an active thing, so be active in the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. To gratify the desire of the flesh is this. You see a big birthday cake, you love birthday cake, and you indulge in the whole birthday cake. That's gratifying the desire, okay? Whatever your thing is. So, what this is saying is that there is a satisfaction and a feeling that comes in the walking of the Holy Spirit that is far more satisfying, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh anymore as you walk in the Spirit. You want to kill the sin in your life? Walk by Spirit. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. You see, this is the, the balanced life in Christ. No longer under the law anymore. Okay? The law has been fulfilled in Jesus what tends to happen in our life is this. We start to look at one another and start comparing. And I start to look and I start to sit here and say, well, at least I'm not that bad. You know? Oh, he, he said that. I, I don't say that stuff. I don't do that. Oh, he, you, you, what, what do you do? You know, and you're just like, you're sitting there and, and the gossip starts spreading around, but you start pumping up your ego because you're like, I, I'm a little bit better than you. No, that's not where we're at anymore. Or the other side of it, we looked at some people and like, man, I just wish I was as good as them. Man, I wish I could get up there and do that. Man, I, man, I, man, my life is not like that. Man, I, I wish I had that. Let me just tell you this. Jesus has leveled the playing field. He's balanced the scales. There's no reason for boasting in myself. It's all in Jesus. And that spirit that he makes available to the apostle Paul, the spirit that was in Jesus, the spirit that was moving throughout church that fell at Pentecost. Man, it's the same spirit that fills us here today. It's the same spirit that brings life. The same spirit that, that falls that we feel and we experience in worship. The same spirit that fuels us in our efforts and our heart knocks and all these other things. It's, it's the same spirit. And we're not under the law anymore. It's been accomplished in Christ. We're set free. 
So let's continue to read. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pause right there. That list of things... We have a ton of self-help books for individual things, how to deal with your anger, how to deal with drunkenness, how to deal with you know, pornography and sexual sins and all these different things. But I want you to understand that they are all a product of the flesh. They are all a product of you serving yourself. When you become self-centered, when you want to feed that desire of your flesh, of your inside old person, these are the things that will come out. And when your life is submitted to these and there are patterns of these things in your life, I would caution you to go before the Lord and ask the Spirit to fill your life and satisfy your cravings and the cross. I, I would ask you to do that because what the Word says is that these things are not to be patterns of people that are kingdom people. We've been set free. We've been filled with the Spirit. We have power over these things now. We have authority over these things to tell them no. On the other hand, when the Spirit is inside of you, the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. All right, so here's the word, all right? In contrast to sexual immorality, man, there's real love you find with the Spirit. With the rivalries, the dissensions, the anger in your heart, man, the spirit produces peace. There's joy. There's hope, right? There's these beautiful just pouring of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Again, all these things are freely given they are flowing through the spirit alive inside of you. This is not to be confused with spiritual gifts, by the way. When you give your life to Christ, there's something unique about your personality and your DNA from the very beginning that ignites for the kingdom to help out with the gospel movement. A spiritual gift is something like hospitality or gifts of service, giving, um, prophecy, teaching, things like that. Okay, gifts of leadership. And those are unique to certain individuals, but the fruits of the Spirit, all of them are available to you as the Spirit manifests himself in your life. When people look and they see a Christ follower that has received the Spirit of God, they should experience somebody that has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. To experience those things with you. But I need you to know something else today. If you are someone where you see this list of fleshly things and you're like, oh, shoot, that's me. 
Like I've confessed Christ, but I'm like struggling in one or two of these areas. I want you to know first that the character of Jesus, because the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God the Father all share the same being. The character of Jesus, when he sees you, is love. I mean, he's joy to see you turn back around and come back. He's going to be patient with you as you walk through this. He's going to be kind with you, not towards the sin, but to you, sinner. He's going to care for you very gently. He's going to meet you with self-control. He's not going to fly off the handle. He's not going to throw darts at you. You know, he's not going to, it's not pin the tail on a donkey. Like, it's cool, man. He's going to treat you with kindness. I need you to know Jesus is kind. Our king is kind. He's patient. He's loving. To be honest with you, when I see the way the word describes Jesus, I don't know why anybody doesn't want him. I don't, I, don't, I mean, I'm just like, this is, this is what I want. And when you experience this, when you experience people that have experienced the Holy Spirit and this is flowing through them, that's the kind of people I want to be around. It's the kind of church I want Midtown to be. So know this. We celebrated Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. But know this. Whenever Jesus rose from the dead, something else died, and that's the power of sin. You need to know that in Christ, you don't have to be sinful anymore. Like You don't have to go back to those patterns and those habits. The lie that the enemy tells you is that you were made that way, that you're stuck in it, that you're going to be that way the rest of your life, and you just got to deal with it. The lie the enemy tells you, too, is that there's no reason for you to talk about it or to confess it because nobody else is that bad. He likes to corner you, pin you down, leave you there. Satan's not a good lover. He's really not. He leads you on. But know this, he never loves. And I need you to know this about Christ, though. He cares so deeply for you. And so what the word says is this. Man, with the resurrection of Jesus and, and his death, though, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's dead. That's what crucified means. We know that. But think about it. Your sin is dead. The flesh is dead. It's gone. Don't wake it back up. Don't bring it back. It's dead. Leave it dead. It's one thing we don't want resurrecting. Keep the sin in the grave, all right? You have authority over your sin in the name of Jesus. And whenever you're tempted, whenever you're tempted with anger, with a sexual desire, with strife, with malice, with envy, whenever your self-control is being tested, Know this, you speak the name Jesus into those areas because the name of Jesus is the only name that we, that with the authority to make a demon run out of somebody. It's the only thing with the authority to put the nail straight through the sin and leave it dead. Jesus is the only one who has conquered death and crushed sin. So we claim the name Jesus over our sin. Sin doesn't have any power anymore. Don't give it any power. 
Don't elevate it anymore. Satan don't have any power. Don't give him any more power. Don't give the flesh any more authority. You've been saved from it. You've been set free from it. And then there's this little sweet turn here. This has not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You see, this has to do with our relationship with one another. We're a body. You know what happens in a body when you go to the doctor? I don't know about you guys, but whenever I like, so there's this one time I was skiing, going down a hill. Me and my dad were skiing together, trying to show off, like weaving back and forth. And we were at Ober, and if you ski at Ober, you know that you can't control yourself because you're on ice. <laughs> and so I'm doing like this cool stuff, like trying to be a show off, and I end up like dislocating my knee. So I had to go, you know, get it checked out, all this stuff. I had that weird, what's it called? Oshkosh Schlatter. <laughs> Weirdness, y'all heard that before? Anyway, pretty much my, like my, my bones grew faster than my muscles and my knees would pop out and all this junk. But I'll tell you all that to say this. All I wanted to have, I wanted to be healed. I didn't want my leg amputated. You know? I think when we think about the church and we think about the body, when we have somebody, though, that steps out of line, when we have somebody in our fellowship, in our crew, and we see that, man, they weren't listening to the spirit in this moment, and they listened to the flesh, and they stepped out, like, what happens then? And y'all, some of us have experienced a lot of hurt in the church before, where we watch the church amputate a body part instead of restore it and see it healed. And here's what the word says next in Galatians. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, that word caught is like getting your foot like hung in a snare and tripping, okay? Anybody that's tripping, all right, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. I'm gonna tell you something, man. That right there, if we can, if we can do that, Y'all, <laughs> this thing seems unstoppable. The enemy, listen, I just want you guys to know this. In, in the power of Christ, the capital C church will stand. It will succeed. It will go to the end, and we will be reigning with Christ in heaven for eternity. But y'all, we got we to gotta be caring for one another. Like we talked about last week, man, we, we got to be the hospital this place has got to be the hospital for sick people, not where you go and we're just starting to excommunicate and, you know, and, and all this stuff when somebody steps out of line. That's not what the word says. Restore in a spirit of gentleness. But let's also be cautious. Who's the person that needs to be doing the restoring? What's it say? Those who are spiritual. You know what a spiritual person is? It's not some mystic person that wears like this crazy purple robe, you know, no, man, it's the person that's filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's the person you want coming up to you when you fall, getting your ankle out of the trap. Those who are spiritual, who are flowing with the fruits of the Spirit, you know what your ministry in the church is? 
Instead of comparing, instead of us looking to one another and saying, hey, I'm a little bit better than them, or shame on them. I can't believe they did that. Get out of here. <laughs> Listen, I've heard it. I've felt it. I've been there. I've done it. Listen, instead of that, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That word gentleness means humble. The person that's humble sits there and says, you know what, man, I've been there too. Yeah, I got my foot hung in that snare before too. It hurts. And let me help you. It's like the good Samaritan that makes sure that this person has everything that they need and more for their recovery. Because you see, we're in this together. We're in this thing together. And if one of my brothers falls, it's a whole lot better for me to take time to help see him restored than to send him on his way. That's what the word says here. I need to restore my brother. I need to be patient with my brother, gentle with my brother. Keep watch over yourselves, though, lest you too be tempted. It's important you go in this thing filled with the spirit. I've also seen people go into a situation where there is a hurt and someone has a, a, a compassion gifting and they go and they go into a situation where there's an issue with a husband and a wife or something like that. And then all of a sudden he starts to get feelings for someone else. We've got to be very, very careful as we're dealing with sin and we're dealing with these things and these flesh patterns in the church that we are absolutely prayed up, filled with the spirit going into these situations. It's not for everybody to be going and doing these things. But I just want to have a sidebar in all this. If you see a counselor or you're in counseling, make sure that person is spirit-filled knows Jesus, okay? Because what we want to make sure that's happening is that we're being restored according to what the word restores us to. Now, what is the goal of restoration? It's the same goal of salvation, that the flesh dies and the spirit is elevated. We want to see the spirit come alive in your life. And so as I start walking with someone, and as we gently restore, once we've been restored, once we're free walking in the spirit, what the word says is that we gently gonna pick up these other people and we're gonna help them get back on their feet. We're gonna help them stab the flesh. We're gonna help them crucify the flesh so that they can be back in step with the spirit. They can begin to be filled with love, and joy, and peace, and patience, all right? That is the goal of restoration. So. Let me bring this thing full circle. The last couple of verses here are this. For if anyone thinks he is something, oh, sorry, verse two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Okay? We're going to shoulder this together. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Here's the reality, y'all. We got to give an account. We got to give an account when this thing is over. And in Christ, we come balanced. When we come to give an account for our life, those of us who have confessed Christ, what God does is he looks and he says, I see the righteousness of Christ covering you. When he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus covering you, and he says, you're good. Come. 
But those of us who have been striving in our flesh, trying to balance the scales, trying to do it our own way in our flesh, apart from Jesus, we come up like this, we're short. And so what the word talks about here is that, listen, we gotta bear our own load. As we begin to examine ourselves. if there's anything that's worth boasting about in me, the person who has experienced Jesus does exactly what LaShawn does and says, listen, it's not my story, it's his story. I'm boasting in Jesus. So as you examine yourself tonight, if there's anything good in you, if there's any fruit, if there's any love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, if that is in your life, it is of Jesus. And so Paul says, so men, let's just keep in step. Let's walk with the Spirit. Tonight, I want to tell you this. If you are stuck in the flesh, understand this. Jesus deeply loves you, and he wants to save you from that. He wants to save you from the sin and the curse on your life. He wants you to have freedom right now, and freedom right now means you can say no to sin, and you can live not under the law, but standing on top of it, and you can begin to operate and free other people. You don't have to worry about balancing the scales anymore. They've been balanced for you. Go serve and restore people. If you're sitting here tonight, though, and you're like, man, I've been walking with Jesus for some time, and you know what? Never, I never really learned about the Holy Spirit. Like, How do, how do I step back into walking in the Spirit? I love the kindness of the Father. Jesus teaches us how to pray. After he teaches us how to pray, he says this. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you want the Holy Spirit in your life tonight, you've got to surrender to him. Just ask for it. Remember, Jesus is loving. He's full of joy. He's kind. Guess what? He's got a whole picture full of the Holy Spirit. He's ready to just douse you with it. I need you to know that because so many of us are trying to do the Christian life and we're striving and we read the word, we read the law, we read the teachings of Jesus and we're trying so hard to keep up and do all this stuff. And that's why Jesus says, I gave you my spirit of truth. He's actually gonna bring to mind everything you need to say. So those of you that have come to know Jesus very recently, I wanna speak to you for a moment right now. I want you to know something. As you surrender your life to Jesus, you have access to the Holy Spirit. And as you surrender your life and you say, Spirit, come fill me, you better watch out because he's going to fill you. And when he fills you, you know what happens? The word says you're going to go be his witness. If you are in Christ and you are filled with his spirit, you have every equipping that you possibly need to go and do anything for the kingdom. If you want to go study more, go study more. If you want to go read books, go read books. If you want to go do all these other things, do these other things. But know this, you have what you need in the Spirit. He is the equipping for everything. So I want to just invite you into freedom today from your striving. Be free from striving today. That's one of the aspects of the flesh that he gives us freedom from. So know this, it's the heart of the Father that you be restored today. If you want to know more and you want to pray through this, you, you're like, man, TC, man, I just want, I want to experience the spirit in my life. Me and my friends would like to just pray with you tonight, man. We'd like to lay hands on you. We'd like to invite the spirit to come into your life. And if that's you, if there's a sin, if, if, if there's something on this list of things in the flesh and you're like, dude, I got to have freedom from this. 
Know that it's only through the Spirit that you'll be able to put those desires away. So we're going to come, we're going to ask the Spirit to give us new desires tonight. It's the power of the Spirit that makes us new. You can have new desires, new passions, new peace in your life tonight. So tonight we're going to just sing a song of surrender as we close our time out. Saying, Lord, I give myself away so you can use me. I invite you right now, just invite the Spirit to come and speak truth to you. Father, we ask that the Spirit of truth fill our minds right now. That you come shine like a flashlight on the lie and that it exposes it, that we confess it and we receive the truth in place of that lie tonight, God. Lord, Father, we, we thank you for your, for your word. Thank you that you saved us from this flesh, this sin. I don't want it anymore. God, fill us with your Spirit that we might go and we might proclaim the good news that we might restore our brother or sister that has fallen. God, give us the heart of Jesus. Let us know your kindness. Let us know your joy. Let us know your love. Let us know your peace. Let us know your patience in our marriage, God. Patience as we deal with people that are, that are different than us, God. Kindness as we deal with the children. Gentleness, sweetness, meekness. God, may we represent Christ in all things. When we come up against a brother or sister, Lord, that's fallen, oh, Lord, may we restore them. Father, we're all in need of restoration tonight. Continue to restore us according to your spirit. So as we say, as we sing, God, as we say, Father, I give myself away. Lord, we trust we're going to be used for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, let's stand. Let's sing together.